This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Louise, did you watch it on Friday night? Nope. I didn't watch it either. I want to say that from the word go. Put my cards on the table. I didn't see it. I was watching the Traitors finale on the BBC. Wonderful. Then the news and then into Graham Norton, who I'd never miss each week. I absolutely love him. When Graham Norton was over, I flicked across to RTE and it was almost at the end of the voting. I knew the contest was on the Eurovision Song Contest, Ireland Leg. But I have to say this, we should send the turkey to Sweden. We should send the turkey to Sweden. We should revive him, Dustin, and send him to Sweden. He'll have a far better chance. I I mean this, he'll have a far better chance, honestly. What he's up, was he's that? He's up there in the pecking order. <laughs> boom, boom. What was no, that all about? Bambi Thug, never heard them before. And Doomsday Blue will represent Ireland at the Eurovision. I think it's Doomsday for sure for us. Yeah. What do you think? No, I think I'd agree with you. This oh one. my God. Folks, what do you think? I just don't get it. <laughs> Sorry. I, I don't get it either. I don't rate it. I don't get it. I just, uh, no. I, 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 it's... I'm just Can't sitting scratching my head. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Were you watching? Did you see it? Do you have an opinion on it? We'd love to hear from you. Um, I, I don't know. A, a song contest. I, it should be in some other type of contest, but not a song contest, mm. to be honest with you. The only thing I'm going to say to you, Louise, the is this. Yeah, and the only thing I want to say to you, it'll probably qualify from the semi-final, and God knows what it'll do in the final, <laughs> because... <laughs> In recent that, years, everything's a bit. Yeah. Lordy, do you remember Lordy yep. and and uh, uh, the, the Russian like grannies and and all? It was an Italian the thing Russian recently. Grannies. Do you remember them? Do you remember them. the Russian grannies? No, <laughs> <laughs> they're not allowed to enter now. <laughs> Putin oh, finished them. them uh, I have to say, it, oh no, I don't know what to say. I, I'm out as a song contest. It's not a song contest anymore, really, is it? It really isn't. You know. Although, last year's winner from Sweden was a decent song. But, oh, what are we trying to do? What is Ireland trying? What are we trying to say? I don't know. That, that oh, we're leading the way in this. And uh, Listen, I despair. I totally, totally despair. I think there's time uh, to look at setting up a song contest in opposition to whatever the other thing is in Eurovision. Anyway, have you an opinion? Love to hear from you on late lunch. And it, it just segues lovely into our first guest because he is a Drogheda man. He's been a good friend of ours on the show over the years, especially during COVID times when he talked to us about the Swedish situation. And he's back with me today on an entirely different track. But Sweden will host the Eurovision this year. And they better get ready for Bambi Thug and Doomsday Blue. He's on the line to me. Patrick O'Reilly, welcome back to Late Lunch. Thanks, Jerry. I hope you're keeping well. I'm keeping really well. You hardly know what we're talking about there, do you? About the Irish song. I, no. I haven't heard the song, but it doesn't <laughs> doesn't seem like I'm missing much. You're missing nothing. Just get ready in Sweden. You don't know what's coming your way from Ireland this year. But anyway, that's a, that's a jack. It's going to be in my adopted city of Malmo, actually. Yes. So are you coming over for it? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I'm not really into Bambi Thug. Can we just leave it nice at that for junket today? For you. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind going to Malmo. I have to say that is for sure. Anyway, great to have you with us on the show today. And the reason you're with us is, look. The road uh, situation, road traffic, accident, fatalities. There's no need to remind our listeners today. Last year mm. was shocking in Ireland. 184 fatalities, the highest in a decade, up almost 20% from the year before. And Sweden is always held up as an example of a country that's much safer. I was just looking at your figures. Yes, 220 people lost their lives in 2022 in Sweden, but you've doubled the population. And look at the country up north and the roads and the ice and everything. Patrick, let's begin begin with the uh, the beginning uh, and driving. You have just f- completed your lessons, sat your test. Congratulations. You're now a qualified driver in I, Sweden. I, I finally got my driving <laughs> license last year. I figured now that I'm in my 40s, I should do it. So <laughs> Well done, Tia. Well, well done. You know, it's a big driving thing. Driving a Volvo as well. Yes. One of the <laughs> safest cars in the world. You uh, brought to my attention this morning, I knew about it anyway, that in this country it was reported last year, 30,000 people have never sat their driving test. Some people have no licence and they're on the road 30 years on learner permits, the third and a fourth permit. What's the story in Sweden? Could that happen? Uh, it would be very difficult to do that here. You, here, the approach to driving is they're very thorough. You need to register with a, a driving school. If you want to drive with a qualified driver, you need to go and attend a course. It's like a three-hour lecture. And then you have the equivalent of an L-plate on your car, but you can only drive with that instructor who can be a friend, a parent or whatever. They must be in the car at all times. And if you're involved in an accident they're the one that's responsible because they're the qualified driver. So, you know, there's no prospect of, yeah, having a L plate for 30 years or something ridiculous, according to that article we, uh, we were reading. Yeah, and, and you know, you do have to be accompanied here. I know that is the law as well, but when you read those stats, it is frightening. Yeah. So it's much tighter in Sweden. And what about, uh, you know, the test itself? How did you find the driving test? Uh, the test, well, just to give you a little background, here you need to have, you register with your driving school and then you have to go through all these different modules before your driving school will actually approve you to take part in the test because they all the driving schools are ranked. And if you fail the test, their rating goes down and they have to go and attend new uh, courses, which costs them a lot of money. So uh, and also you have to pass a theory test before you can take the driving test. But I found the test. OK, I did pass on my second attempt. So okay. uh, thank thank God. Sounds thorough. And then when you do pass, are you away? Do you know the way we have an end plate here that has to go up for a time after you qualify? How does that work in Sweden? No, they, they don't have that. No, you're just you're you're out on the road, but okay. uh, you're you're under like a probation for basically the first two years. So mm-hmm. if you had like an accident, you would have to reset the test. OK, but it sounds more thorough and more steps you have to go through. Is that fair to say than we have here? Definitely. And something that's worth pointing out is that Sweden... Uh, they introduced this project in 1997. It's called Vision Zero. And around that time, there was around 600 deaths on the road. Mm. And since that has been brought in, there was only, there was 200, I think, and 27 deaths yes. in 2022. Mm. And if you bear in mind, there's a double the population here. Yes. There's a lot more car- cars on the road. And also you've got different driving hazards, particularly in northern Sweden with, with, with deers and elks and bears wandering on the road. That's true. And the, the, the weather that you have up there as well, there's a lot of ice and snow on the roads as well. And a lot of rural roads. I was reading about this much more than we w- would have here. So there are mitigating factors as well. What about speed limits? What's the speed limit in an, in an urban area there? 
uh, generally between 30 and 40 and then if kilometers an hour and then if you're driving into an area where there is like a school or a preschool you would see signs to reduce speed to maybe 20 kilometers an hour something that is worth pointing out is that you have to have your headlights on at all times when you're driving here mm. and and also they have uh, even like during the daytime and also they have uh, w- winter tires so you have to switch over to special tires during the winter months there's no such thing as like all weather tires so it, and they're very if you're caught with the wrong tires you get fines on your penalty points or mm. uh, you'll get a fine so from my experience of going through the driving schools here was a very thorough and also very expensive. Yeah, well, you know, you you, you pay for uh, what you get, and I, I always say that in life, and it is thorough, and it gives you a great background before you go on the road. So 30, 40 kilometres in urban areas, down to 20 at times. There's talk about that coming here in the urban areas as well. It's quite slow, but it is absolutely needed. What about out on, on the motorways? 120 kilometres here? What's it with you? And yeah, you? 120, that would only be in specialist uh, motorways. There's only a handful of them in Sweden. Generally, it would be up to maximum 110 and they've introduced a lot of those two plus one roads you know where you have yes. the, the, the median down the center and you have two two lanes of traffic on one side and uh, another on, on the other it's sweden actually they drive on the right although believe it or not they used to drive on the left yeah uh, they, they switched over in the 60s it was if you google it it was bizarre photographs and everything but they've, they've gotten the hang of it now mm. the um the two-lane, one-lane thing I like. And we have some stretches here up in Monaghan. If you're heading to Monaghan, you'll see it. I know going to Fish in Sligo over Carrick on Shannon Way before Carrick and that, there are stretches of roads there, two-lane, one-lane, with the barrier in the middle. And that is certainly a great help too. But, you know, the big infrastructural projects, you know, if you had to go to change many of the roads in Ireland, you wouldn't have the room perhaps either. But look, it is something that is all helping to keep the numbers down of fatalities on the roads with you. What about deterrence? You know, I'm trying to think now of uh, speed cameras, fixed speed checking, you know, those along the side of the road that are fixed. How does that work? Is there much deterrent? Yes, there is a lot of those. And even if you're, you know, when you're stopping at those four-way crossings with a solid white line, a friend of mine, he was on his bicycle and he failed to stop at a solid white line and he was flagged down by the police and he had to pay the equivalent of a hundred euro in a fine. Wow. So uh, everyone's a road user, whether you're driving a car or on a bicycle or you're walking. See, Sweden has their own car industry here with uh, Volvo and Saab, and they're developing self-driving cars. So they're really trying to lead the way when it comes to this Vision Zero. The objective is to not have any fatal accidents or serious deaths on the road. Obviously, that's a long way away, mm. but they have halved the number of uh, road deaths since that was introduced in the late 90s. So there are speeding cameras, there are fixed cameras, there are mobile cameras, and they're on the ball there. What about the penalties? And the po- we have the point system, as you know, here. Have you an equivalent there? Something similar here, yes. And also if you're caught, if you say, for example, you're in a, driving in a 30 kilometer an hour zone and you're between one and 10 kilometers over the speed limit, you'll be fined the equivalent of, a, of 100 euros. So and then it increases proportionally depending on the speed increase. So if you're driving 30 kilometers over the speed limit in the 30 kilometer hour, you pay a lot more. And uh, even though the the drink driving limit is like something like 0.02 percent or something. So you it's basically no drinking and driving, uh, which you should never do anyway. Yeah. So it's virtually nil there with you, uh, which is really Mm. good to hear. Um, 
so that, that's interesting. The more kilometres you're over the limit, the heavier you're going to be hitting your pockets. And I take it the points accumulate and you'll be off the road if you go over a certain number. It's 12 here, isn't it? What is it? Do you know what it is there with you? It's a, something similar like okay. that, yeah. But it's more about the fines. You, you will get a lot of fines and you can have your license suspended, you know, if, even right. if it's a, like you might consider a minor violation because they're very keen on promoting road safety. I mean, everyone that gets in the car is using a Swedish invention because the seatbelt was actually invented by a Volvo engineer. So yes. they really want to lead the way with the with as regards road safety and being part of a driving school. It's you can learn to drive with a with a friend, but you, they have to have this do a course with you. And most people go through a driving school. And I would say the general standard of driving is quite high based on my experience of going through it. What's etiquette like on the roads? You know, here they'll be up your ass, as they say, pushing you along, you know, that type of thing. You're, you know, honking their horns, no patience, anger on the road, road rage. What's it like over there? Uh, maybe Swedes are a little bit more polite than Irish people. So, you know, if, if you don't ob- adhere to the right hand rule or something, you might get a few dirty looks. But uh, yeah, I would say in general, people are maybe a little bit more polite, just Based on my experience, I'd say the, gen- the overall standard of driving is quite high because mm-hmm. you have to go through a very thorough process to, to even get on the road. Uh, you know, you need to pass the theory test before you can even take the driving test. Yes. And then if, if you you have to you have to pass the driving test within a couple of months of passing the theory test. So if you fail the driving test, you'd have to go back and do everything again. It's it's a long process, and uh, it, you know it it takes a while before you're allowed to get out on the road. But fortunately, I got there. T- uh, you did indeed and well done again what about TV advertising campaigns we have ones here that like are really shocking to watch and uh, they're so sad as well and you know they couldn't but impact on you if you watch them I, I don't know what effect they have ultimately is, th- is there any of that with you on television or whatever I've seen nothing at the sort of gory end of it like I've seen in Ireland you know with those types of ads I think something they have pushed is uh teaching children in schools about it so like my younger son he's only nine and he was pointing out some of the road signs to me and telling me what they are because they were learning about it in school so they and they often sometimes they bring in the you know member of the police and explain things to them so they really try to advocate uh, road safety from a very young age because they always say everyone is a road user regardless of whether you're in a car driving or not that is a, a very important point to bear in mind from the day you're out and about as a, a, a tiny totter ever. You are part of that whole wider, wider system. So in general terms, what I'm hearing from you and reading through all you're saying to me, it's a tighter system. It's a, a, a more comprehensive system. There is no getting away with anything. You're going to be hammered with fines. You'll be taken off the road. Uh, the construction of the roads everything points to being a much better system than we have in Ireland here. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the equivalent, that it's 22 deaths per million. In Ireland, it's th- it's 31 deaths. Yeah. So you, and obviously you've got to double the population there. There is, the, I think there's around 7.4 million vehicles on the road mm. in Sweden, mm. you know, which is staggering considering the, the size of the country. Yes. So it, it is a very thorough process. I mean, when I was doing my driving test, in advance of it, I had to do two courses. I had to go to a lecture for three hours, and then I had to do this risk assessment test where they, I got to drive different types of cars in different conditions to simulate, you know, skidding and different things. And only once you'd passed that, were you 
able to even apply to do the theory tests. Mm. So it's it's not a case of having a few lessons with your dad on Bettystown Beach or something and then go out and get driving the next day. It's a, It was a very thorough process. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, for for ourselves here, you know, the, the, the numbers are shocking and they've gone up again last year and we're in the throes of people who are bereaved already this year and we're not even at the end of the first month. Quite a number indeed. But there you are and you keep saying that zero. Sweden have all this in place and yet they're still not happy. They're still pushing on and they want to reduce those numbers even further. Patrick, listen, you've been very good. You've done a good bit of work on this for us. I'm delighted you got your... Uh, full uh, license and stripes over there happy and safe motoring to you and thank you once again for obliging us and joining us on late yeah. lunch today and we, we'll be back to you the uh, Eurovision is in Sweden and you never know we have an entry going over there let's see what yeah. happens <laughs> I'll take you out for a spin in the self-driving car when you come over I'll keep you to that take care of yourself good to talk to you Take care, bye. Take care, bye. That's Patrick O'Reilly, originally from Drogheda, and now domiciled in Malmo in Sweden. Giving us the load, and I just have something interesting to do to compare ourselves with Sweden, who are doing really well. One death is too many on any road. But look at you hear what the system is in there and the commitment to it. We've, you know, we, we've come along, but there's a long way to go still here in Ireland. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text if you want to get in touch with us on the show. I'm going back to the Eurovision thing in a moment. Back to Eurovision and the song we're sending to Malmo. In case you didn't hear it, have a little listen to this. Here it is. That's it. That's the song that's going to uh, Europe to represent us this year, Bambi Thug. I do say again, with the way the whole thing goes, it wouldn't surprise me if it qualified from the semi-final and won the bloody thing. It's such, uh, I won't say uh, the word. Uh, Do you know what it reminds me of, Louise? The night we went to Causey Farm at Halloween. (laughs) Do you remember that? Yeah. It has. I think she'd be a perfect out. They'd be perfect in Causey Farm next year if they're listening well, the over there. Well, the costumes, definitely. Yeah, they should book them for sure. Let's have a, uh, some of the comments, uh, read some of them to you. They flew in when we spoke about it. Hi, Jerry, I agree with you. Just seen the end of that show too. Pure rubbish. Not a song at all. Love your show, says Rose. Uh, the song is dreadful. I wouldn't watch that nonsense, says another listener. Seen that song on the news. Oh, my God. What a load of rubbish. Bambi Tug was the best songs, the best of the songs selected. The real question is who selects these few tunes for public voting? That's our good friend and my good friend Eddie Joyce and he makes a valid Mm -hmm. point there. Who picked the six songs? Ireland says another listener is full of talented musicians and this Jerry is the best we can come up with. I think the Eurovision is to blame to allow such junk to participate on the lines of what Eddie was saying there a moment ago. That's uh, the Euro people in Ireland. Jerry, where the hell do they get them from? Oh my God, it's just a terrible song. Or would you call it a song indeed? Bring back Dustin, <laughs> says Therese. I said that early on myself. Yes, Jerry, I watched that fancy dress show on Friday night. Two hours of my life, I'll never get back. 
Incidentally, number five was the only one that qualified to be in a song contest. There's another one there. It's brutal. The so-called song for Europe, a joke at this stage. It's an act now, not a song. They don't seem to want a song, says another listener there. Jerry, Eurovision is a circus. I keep saying it. Get a power singer with a power ballad. We always won with a ballad. As for Bambi, that's a freak show, says Maraid. You see the t- the the the, uh, the same theme running through Louise. All yeah, but there must be somebody that likes it. Jeez. It was voted. Let's see. Keep looking here. Do you remember the episode of Father Ted where the big bosses didn't want Ireland to win because it cost so much to host? Given the current shenanigans going on in RTE, maybe life is imitating art. Says Cal and Monaghan. Cal, I love it. You could be on the mark there for sure. Totally agree, Jerry. Was in shock. The worst entry yet. Great for a Halloween party. Won't be watching Eurovision, says another. Good afternoon, Jerry. I'd like to end that. Yes, we'll be back to you on that one. That's for the hairy moment. Hey, Bambi thug. Hairy moment, for sure. Uh, Jerry, one word for the winning song. Horrendous, says a listener. Jerry, Eurovision is just a total disaster. What a shocking song. That's not a song, Jerry, says Angela. It's just noise. There's not one person has messaged us today, is there? Well, there has to no, but there has to be some people out there because it was public vote. It was voted by the public, and and was it the international or the Irish jury backed it? I think one of the other juries backed it as well, and that's why it got through. Ah, uh, Jerry, now this one we should read, Louise. Are we just getting old? <laughs> Could have a point. Could have a point, June mm-hmm. and RD today. Nice to hear from you. And do you think if you separated the costume from the song? Yeah. You know, after seeing the costumes. Yeah. Would the song be a bit better? Or maybe if no. you listen to it two or three more times? No. Would it grow on you? <laughs> no. No. No, 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 no. I'm doing my best here. I know. You're, 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 you're fighting for Bambi. Oh, there's a good woman in your corner, Bambi. Oh, Gary Louise. I love that comment from June. It's June, right? Are we just all getting old? Are we getting cranky in our old ages? It's just not for us. Let's hear a real Eurovision song now on your late lunch. Take it away, Johnny. Don't close your heart to how you feel Dream And don't be afraid the dream's not real Close your eyes Pretend it's just the two of us again Make believe this moment's here to stay Touch Touch me the way you used to do I know Tonight could be all I'll have with you From now on You'll be with someone else instead of me So tonight Let's fill this memory For the last time Hold me Forever in love What do you say when words are not January Don't be shy, tell your story to me A hairy moment for you There's a grand if you do I need to know on the late lunch show 
thank God there's only a couple of days left. <laughs> Me cheeks will cool down. Yes, it's January all this month on Late Lunch. And we have another listener standing by to tell you about her January moment. I'm delighted to welcome Mary Gilday to the show. Hi, Mary. Hi, Jerry. Thank you so much for taking our call today and joining me on Late Lunch. Anyway, away you go. Tell us your story. This is a few years ago. You were into you were into going looking at new houses, was it? Yeah. <laughs> Show houses. Show houses. Okay, go on. Yeah. Anyway, a few years ago, myself and my mum used to love going round on a Sunday, spinning round to see if there were any show houses. Yeah. Anyway, this Sunday we were driving up the Dublin Road and... We In Drogheda, was it? One. Dublin Road, Drogheda? Yeah, yeah OK, go yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were driving up, we went into the estate and we were driving round and next we are driving up and I said, oh ma'am, there's a show house up here, there's a sign in the garden. Lovely. So anyway, we drove up and pulled up for it and the door was closed and I said, oh, it must be open today, you know, sure. Yeah. So we are sitting in the car anyway and next these people come up and went up to the door, but they went round the side of the house, and I said, they must be having a look in the window, you know, to mm. have a look, to see what it looks like. Yes. Anyway, all of a sudden, the front door opens, Lovely. and I said, oh, ma'am, it's open now, shall we go in? Great. So we were walking in, anyway, and I said to her, look, there's a few people downstairs, we won't go downstairs to have a look. We'll go on upstairs and have a look around and see, you know, ourselves mm. before they come up. Lovely. So we went upstairs, and we were going from bedroom to bedroom, and admiring the thing, yeah, it's lovely wherever. But anyway, we went into the bathroom and I said to my mum, God, I said, it's funny, I said, you don't normally see two brushes and two pieces in that, like in a show house or deodorant or that. And she was saying, no, you don't. And I didn't run past. And next, all of a sudden, the front doorbell rang and we heard the child running out to the door and he rose in, Mam, you wanted at the door? And we're standing upstairs going, oh my God, we're going what are we going to do? Oh, Jesus Christ, we'd be arrested. And I went, what can we do? I said, we didn't know. Why did they take the sign out of the garden? How are we? So there was people living in <laughs> So you're upstairs, oh, you're upstairs, Mary, in a house yeah. that people are living in. You're not yes, in is. the show house. <laughs> oh, I said show house in the garden. So we talk about, well, when they opened the door and left it wide open, we thought, well, it's open now. We'll go in and have a look. So what happened? You're in panic upstairs. Oh, what happened, Mary? It was there. She was saying, oh, Jesus Christ, Mary, we'd be arrested. What are we going to do? And I said, look, the only thing we can do, I said, is go down. If they come out and see us, we'll just say, look, we're very sorry. We didn't know that <laughs> yes. the people living in it, we thought it was still the show. <laughs> so we were coming down the stairs and the man was panicking. She said, oh, Mary, we'd be arrested. What if they ring the guards? And I said, look, we just go down, you know, if yeah. well and good. If we get out, we get out. So we can down the stairs and headed for the car. Well, we sat in the car. I couldn't drive the car. We <laughs> were laughing. It was just a relief. Oh, Mary. Mary. I love the story. I so so you, when you got down the bottom of the stairs, you were grand. They didn't appear or anything they like that. No. Us. No. Well, we didn't look back to see could they see us. But they, obviously they didn't because they wouldn't stop us, I'm sure. Oh, my God. There two women upstairs around there. <laughs> 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 oh, but I can imagine you must and your, your, your poor mother was in panic when she realised we're in somebody else's house upstairs yeah like my mum was there going 
oh Mary they'll arrest us they'll ring the guards and I said ring like, the guards what can we do like we weren't doing any harm we were just up at Mar in the house <laughs> listen I love it Mary oh, oh that yeah. was a hairy yeah. moment if ever the one and a when funny hairy home. moment too it's yeah, brilliant yeah when I come home and told the family when I come yes. home they tell oh ma'am that's the best they ever heard <laughs> well let me tell you this Mary Gilday there's only one more day to go and then on Wednesday we are going to give somebody 1,000 euro for the story and you are now in the mix for the grand thank you so much for telling it to us this afternoon absolutely brilliant bye 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 -bye, Mary Um, what was I to say that is just a great story now folks Time is of the essence. We're nearly done with this. There is one more day, just one more day to go. You can get your story in on late lunch. There's a thousand euro up for grabs. It could be you listening to us today. Have you a story, a hairy moment to tell us on January 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. We're drawing the curtain tomorrow and we'll announce the winner on Wednesday. Get in touch with us if you have or give us a shout here on the main LMFM number. Louise. I love that story. She told it so well, didn't she too? I cannot believe after 20 odd years, they still don't know the people that own the house. (laughs) That there were strangers upstairs looking through their bathroom while they were in the kitchen. And I love it. It's actually a bit scary really when you think about it. When she saw the toothpaste and toothbrushes. (laughs) In the bathroom. You don't see that in the show house. You know what I mean? I lo- But you can imagine the panic mm. that ensued. We're in somebody else's How do we get house. out? How do we? And then they just got out scot-free <laughs> and into the car. I love it. I love That'd be it. like Andrea Mara could make a thriller out of that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Stalkers in my house. Mm. Who are they? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, uh, I just love that. I just yeah, love I do it. too. I think I, it's great. I do indeed. I want to say a big congratulations to Shane Healy. Our Shane, Louise. Another one. Another one. Not even record. the end of January. When is that now? 800 metre world record in his age category. He now holds three that he's uh, got. He was mm. in with us a couple of weeks ago telling us about the two he'd won and now another one. Congratulations, mm-hmm. Shane. We're absolutely delighted for you. Wonderful, wonderful. Louise. I think we have a, a Meath lad that, that did another a record as well. Did he? In, I think in the USA. Oh. Is it Cosgrin, his surname, I think? I'll have to Andrew, look it up. Andrew. Andrew, Cos- I think so. Andrew yeah, Cosgrin. Yeah. yeah, he's a great fella too. So he I really I think he is. broke a world record as well. I'll, I'll just double check we'll that. We'll check that yeah. out. We will check that out. Um, what was I to say to you yesterday, Sunday, just a little a little ditty about yesterday. Um, we went out for lunch. Yesterday, myself and the Queen, we decided, look, we'd feck <laughs> off somewhere and have something to eat. We said the kitchen was closed at uh, Ballinchalley yesterday for everybody, so we went off for dinner. We, we didn't know where we'd go. We said we'd sit in the car and maybe go on a mystery tour. We've got the scaries. Will we go here? Will we go there? Anyway, we headed out to where, would you believe, the Valley Inn in Malera. The Valley Inn. Mm-hmm. And John O'Connell and the crew out there, his good wife and everybody, we went in, walked in, and said, table for two. And they said, have you a reservation? Have you a booking? So we had no booking. We are just walking in on spec. It was jammers. There were cars everywhere, car parks full. There was no, I knew it was. Yeah. And all of a sudden, there was a girl standing, one of the girls who worked there said, you're in luck. We're just after getting a last minute cancellation for a table for two. How jammy now, are you? you? Really, well, you're the born lucky or you're in trouble, aren't you? <laughs> anyway, we got I'm the... I'm in trouble, so... We, we got the table. Well, you're always in trouble. Anyway, <laughs> you're an unfortunate. You're an unfortunate in these... Li- you're a faithful in these lives. I'm, I'm what do you call the other fellas. Yeah, anyway. Traitor. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm lucky. Anyway, into the Valiant, got the table for two. And I just want to say, 
it was one of the best lunches I've ever had in my life. It was fantastic from start to finish. Everything was superb. The service, the staff, the friendliness, the food, outstanding. And I'm going to say this. Do you like a Caesar salad, a chicken Caesar mm-hmm. salad, do you? Yeah, I love it. For the chicken Caesar salad to start, it was the best I have ever eaten in my whole life. Why? Anywhere what was the back. twist? Uh, I don't want to give it away. Oh, okay. I don't want to but give there, it there away. Is a twist, there is a twist. It's, it's normally just There's the same There's a twist and it's, you've got to go out there and try it and find out what the twist is. Don't bring me back a doggy bag, no? You won't have a... Th- you'll have nothing left. <laughs> I licked the plate. I licked me plate. It was that nice. Oh, listen. Did you really, though? I did. It was superb from start to finish. Everything. Start on main courses. And I had the works. It was lovely. And you know me for the El Sherry trifle. I'm an owl. Oh, I love it. Anyway, well done Gorgeous. to John O'Connell. Everybody out there. Fantastic. It's what it's at a level that's just brilliant, I have to say. Simply brilliant. And I just wanted to give them a mention today mm. because they're wonderful, wonderful people. Would you ever lick your plate? <laughs> no, but right. I mean, really, like in public at or home. at home. Yeah. Ah, you, yeah. Not now, but I used to give it a no lick. <laughs> I would. I would. I wouldn't leave a drop of gravy on it. Not at all. Why would you do that? Oh, not at all. Or chance. eggs. Poached eggs. Yeah. Yeah, poached eggs are lovely. They are lovely. Mm. I had them on sourdough bread. Wouldn't do it in bread. public, but yeah. Yeah, I had them on sourdough bread for me breakfast yesterday. So I had. So there you are, the right day in it. But after I, after we left the Valley Inn, we took off in the car and we went, I just had something in me. Went down to Clarehead Pier. And uh, by the way, the fish and chips were flying down there yesterday, you know, on the pier. Yeah, um, Seamus Farley used to love them. Oh, absolutely. But anyway, what arrived on the pier? The Robin Reliant, Trotter's Independent Traders, the little <laughs> yellow car. Louise, I was just on me element. What an afternoon. It just capped it all. Next and year we'll be millionaires, Jerry. Next so one day soon we'll be millionaires. Right, this time next year we'll be millionaires. And they were. Anyway. Uh, this guy in Slane has it and it was out on a birthday party thing but I got my picture taken with it and all I'm an old groupie aren't I mm-hmm. I'm an old groupie I had to have my picture taken with it but it was lovely and lovely to see it in person that's the first time I've ever seen it in person the three wheel Robin Reliant you're with late lunch on LMFM radio after the break we are heading to Dundalk yes we are and we're going to hear about a scam there's no nothing sacred or safe in this world anymore the fa- the, the, the faithful departed uh, their family and friends scammers scammers yes scamming people who are bereaved but uh, before we head to the break and to Dundalk it's Starship and we'll dedicate this to Bambi Thug who I'm telling you despite all we say I believe will qualify for the semi from the semi-final and probably give it a go in the final. Nothing's going to stop them now, or Ireland. Malmo, here we come. Looking in your eyes, I see a paradise. This world that I found is too good to be true. Standing here beside you, want so much to give you this love in my heart.
my God, you're animated about Eurovision on late lunch this afternoon. Uh, John was on to say, Jerry, look, at Ireland is the laughing stock of the world when it comes to Eurovision songs. Lily's been on to me. What were the juries listening or looking at, Jerry? My God almighty, it's unbelievable. John Conlon, nil point, Irlande. Well, let's see. Here's an interesting one from Mina Curran in Kells. Lovely to hear from you, Mina. Mina says, as a massive Eurovision fan, both myself and my daughter Erin, uh, we were disappointed with the song. We didn't like what was chosen. But you know what I'm going to say, Jerry? Going on previous contests and entries... I think the act and song fits the bill this time. We haven't qualified for the final since 2018, so you never know. This one might just get us over the line. I did say that. It wouldn't surprise me a bit if it got out of the semi-final and did well in the final itself. But let's see. It's in Malmo in May to look forward to. Now we're changing tack on late lunch this afternoon. We always uh, try to keep you informed about scams. But when it comes to scams... That involves people who have passed on from this life, their family and their friends. They can't get any lower. Joining me on the line to tell us what it's all about is Jared Quinn, an undertaker in Dundalk. Afternoon, Jared. Good afternoon, Jared. Thank you for joining me on late lunch today. Um, okay, look at for anyone, it, it's been in the papers, it's been elsewhere as well. Just tell our listeners who mightn't have heard what's happening. Basically, um, the scammers are checking out death notices and posts on Facebook where, where death notices are posted to see where the most reactions are. And obviously, in the in the case of maybe a young death or a tragic death, um, they're seeing that there'll be an awful lot of people interested in this. And what they're doing is they're setting up a fake Facebook page um, purporting to offer a live stream of the service and when people uh, click through uh, on, from the Facebook page, they're taken to a website where they're asked to provide credit card details in order to view the, the live stream. And probably the most distressing part of all of it is in order to entice people to it, they're actually harvesting the images, uh, very sacred and personal images um, of the deceased person from that person's own social media pages to populate this page that they're setting up. This is the pits, in my opinion, the lowest of the low. It really, really is. So when they get your credit card details, that's what they want. They want your credit card information. It's, it's basically that, that maybe people will fear that there, there won't be any other way for them to see the service. It, it has to be said, if any funeral service, any mass or, or service has been live streamed, it's either been done by a fixed camera in the in the church and that's free of charge or uh, the family will be providing me to an independent um, videographer who will provide that over a, a, a secure uh, service. There never has and there never will be a case where people would be charged to view a, a funeral service online and the only time it would ever be restricted is if the family decided they wanted it restricted. But again, that doesn't involve payment. That's just maybe if they wanted to keep things private or whatever. How much are they charging for this? Um... I, we haven't actually come across, thankfully, we haven't come across anyone who's signed up to it, so we're not too sure what they're looking for. In, in many cases with these things, they may not even, they just ask, ask you to create an account. And in order to create an account, you're leaving your credit card details with them. Mm. And they may say this is a free service on this occasion, but once they have your details, it's what they do with them after that. Yes. Because as they say, they're not involved in, in the provision of any, any streaming service at all. 
So the message today to our listeners is, Jared, it's never charged for and the stream will either be provided from the church or through the family or whatever and it's free. It'll always be free, yes, yes. There's, there's never been a case where anyone's ever charged for, for, for a funeral service in that, in that format. So again, we say to people, don't give your car details, wherever your car is, don't give it. That's it. Bottom line, this is a complete and utter scam. Just see a story actually yesterday in the Sunday World yesterday, uh, where one of your colleagues in, in County Donegal is reporting a fake social media account that's been set up in the name of the man who died in a tragic crash five years ago there. Good you know, my my God Almighty, is there no end to the depravity of these people? It, it's it's just basically any way that they can, um, if you like, hone in on people who feel uh, that they they feel they can are vulnerable in some way, and that they can get their details. And this is obviously the la- the the, the latest, latest iteration of it. It's uh, it, it's horrendous, and and I thank you for joining us today, just to inform people listening today not to go there. Don't pay for a streaming service of a funeral; it's free. That's the message today. Don't give your card details to anybody, please, please don't. As we say, the the probably the distressing thing for the families is that they're they're using yes their loved ones images. yes you know that's that's very very hard to take yeah and really that's something uh, for other authorities as well I'd say to take on board and go after as well it's totally wrong it's unacceptable it's simply simply shocking Jared, thank you so much I know you're very busy today thank you for taking a few minutes to have a chat with us appreciate it you're more than welcome thank you take care now bye bye that's uh from Dundalk this afternoon, talking to us, Jared Quinn, an undertaker based there. Just a, re- a wee warning for you today, not to be hoodwinked by that. Y- you could be. You could be very, very easily hoodwinked. That is for sure. Uh, Louise, I mentioned the traders. I did watch the traders on Friday night. I loved it. Uh, I watched it from the beginning of the series. I wasn't. I didn't watch it last year, but I really got into it this year. I see uh, the commissioning. It's talked about uh, the traders Ireland that the show will be made in Ireland by... A version of it. A version of it. Mm. I just hope one thing, and I don't mean to be negative today <laughs> in the show. But anything we generally take on that's a franchise that's done brilliantly elsewhere, we don't do it well. I'm sorry to no, say nothing, that. No, nothing, no one. I'm sorry to say we just don't do it well. It doesn't look the same. If you look, I know the dancing on RT and people are following and it's great, but compared to Strictly on BBC, it's night and day. I'm sorry, that's the that's the reality of it. Who wants to be a millionaire? What other ones did we do as well? And that only lasted had jig time because we couldn't get the money to fund it. Anyway, would there be a Claudia Winkleman in Ireland? She's brilliant to do the traders, and would it be set in the same scene? Would they Will get- they have a fringe? Oh, you have to have the fringe. Yeah. You have to do it with the fringe. It has to be somebody with a fringe, you know, but she's brilliant. But I have to say, Harry Clark, I told you, didn't I? The young. You did, you said it last week. I said he'd win it yeah. and he won it. That silly girl, you silly girl, the, the, the blonde model who loved him. She was doe eyed for him from the beginning. Oh, he's lovely. Couldn't be, couldn't be. She went. There was just him and her left and he told her. She ran screaming out of the place. She couldn't believe it. Said she'll never talk to him again. It's only a game. But Harry picked up nearly a hundred thousand for himself. Mm. Isn't he smiling all the way to the bank? It was great. It was great. And by the way, starting Thursday on the BBC, the Truth and the News, the greatest TV station. I really mean that. I have such admiration for the BBC. You know that anyway. 
The Apprentice is back and Again. there's an Irish girl in it and I think this year they were kicked out the Irish last year the mm. first two. <laughs> Pretty but, early on weren't yeah, they? Yeah I think this one let's see. Anyway it starts Thursday and we're away with The Apprentice for 2024. Late lunch. And I'm sorry Jerry, just to interrupt you can I just say Andrew Cosgren. Oh yeah you mentioned him. Yeah he did. He started his Olympic year in fine style by smashing the Irish indoor 5000 metre record in Boston at the weekend and he shaved four seconds. He did it in just under what, 13 minutes and 12.56. Wow. Four seconds is a huge margin to knock off a record. Well done, Andrew. Congratulations. And I, as far as I know, he's a member of Star of the CAC in Eastmeath. He's one of our own. He's one of our own, Andrew. And congratulations to him. After the break, uh, we're going to have a chat about uh, St. Bridget's Day coming up on the 1st of February and the festival that's developed around our new bank holiday. Just on the Eurovision, another one there. Jerry, maybe they might send Toy Show the musical to Malmo. They'd be sure to get an audience. Boom, boom. Thanks for that, John. We move on on late lunch today. And my next guest, I love her and I've had her with me for years and years on late lunch. And I remember the day when she was here talking about St. Bridget and few, few took cognizance of it. The 17th Bridget of Fort Festival begins this Wednesday, the 31st of January and runs until the 5th of February. The bank holiday, of course, and when we're off on the Monday. She's a spiritual, wise woman herself. Welcome back to Late Lunch, Dolores Whelan. Thank you so much, Jerry. It's always a pleasure, always a great pleasure to be on your show. And last year you actually came to Forrest yes. and did the interview there and that was a real, real special time. It yeah. was, and it was for me too. But but uh, to context to Dolores, now it is getting the recognition it deserves after all these years. We have a bank holiday and you were a voice with others in the wilderness for years. You must be thrilled that it's now where it is today. I, I absolutely am. And one of the things I've learned is that everybody has different roles to play. And I realised after living for a lot of years on this planet that my, my role is often to be an initiator. It doesn't make me better or worse than everybody anybody else. But it's a, it's my gift, I suppose, is that I'll start something. And it's a little bit like Bridget. She comes in the springtime, but she comes at the very early springtime, February 1st is not always that spring-like. So she comes as a harbinger, as a guide to what's happening. And I think that somehow I have, that has been part of my work in the world. Um, I always seem to do things before other people, and I don't do it to be before other people. It's just what happens. I answer the calls that I get, the inspirations that I'm given, and that's what we're invited to do. That's what Bridget did. And you know, Dolores, you are so right. The 1st of February, you can just see it at the moment these days. If you get the right light in the evenings, the way the light is coming forth. And it's yes. very important that we celebrate this and recognise it. Absolutely, because like living as we do in the Northern Hemisphere, quite far north, we have a lot of darkness between mm. November and La Elebrida. And when we get to winter solstice, it's dark. It's very dark. Mm. And then, but if you notice... In the last few days, I've noticed a huge stretch in the evening. Yes. And that's a really very uplifting. It gives us hope. And one of the things about Bridget is I love, there's a beautiful um, uh, line in a song, Bridget of the Sunrise, rising in the springtime, rising with the springtime, healing all the land. See you in the dark clouds, see you in the something of spring flowing through the land. And it's like th- there's this sense of, new beginnings and but all new beginnings believe, begin inside in the darkness and then 
they come out little by little until they catch enough. There is enough of them that they won't won't, won't have to go back. You know, you, if you come out too soon, you might lose what you're bringing out. So it's about timing, but it's also about being aligned with the energies of the earth. For, for listeners today who perhaps don't understand Bridget or who she was or when she lived, just give us a little resume about her, please. Right. Well, Bridget, I mean, she's had many incarnations. I mean, she was um, known as a pre-Celtic goddess way, way back, uh, four or 5,000 years ago. She was a Celtic goddess and she was born as a Christian saint in um, the 5th century, I think it's 460, 459 or 460, um, and she lived until, interestingly, 524. And it's very interesting, if you add those numbers up, you'll get two 11s. And 1111 is known as a gateway. So she, she, was, she was a particular energy that she was born um, to a slave woman who's, um, who's, and her father was a local chieftain, and um, she was his slave woman, and she became pregnant with this baby, it is said, and this baby was Bridget. And Bridget was born, it said, on the threshold of the door. Her mother, the, the bondsmaid, was coming back after milking the cows, and she has one foot inside the door and one foot outside the door, and Bridget arrived. And that was her destiny, was to be a bridge person, a link person that will bring together two apparently opposite things inside and outside, night and day. And that's what she, she was a wonderful person for conflict resolution because she was always able to hold both sides of the argument and both sides of the situation and find a way through. And she really encourages us to do that because we live in a world that's very black and white. Now, Dolores, I know you have huge links with Kildare, uh, from Louth to Kildare, and you walk that lovely walk, uh, yes. connecting the two places. There's a little bit of controversy today in that the relics of St. Bridget were returned to Kildare yesterday. Yes, after I heard the, that. You, you heard that. And, and, yes. and they're claiming her. What, what, what do you say to that? Or have you any issue with that, Dolores? Well, did, no, well, I, first of all, I'm not an authority on any of that. And to be honest with you, there's enough conflict in the world. And yes. Mary, Minna, Mary Minahan, who's one of the Brigidine sisters in Kildare, said, I don't mind. Wherever Bridget is born is good. And she needs to be born in more places. Because here's the thing. Bridget is an archetypal energy. And that archetypal energy is present in every person, but it's often unopened. So when we go to a place like Fahard or Kildare or any other of the British sites like Liscanner and County Clare, many, many others, what we go there to do is those places are places of deep spiritual energy. And the reason people go there is because of that energy. But when they go there, their own energy is, uh, is affected and it, it evolved a bit. So when we go, whether it's to Kildare or Fahard, don't, don't worry about where she was born. If she's born in your heart, that's the most important place. Ah, Dolores. Lovely, 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 lovely. And I, I just adore what you said there, Dolores. There's enough conflict in the world. And my God, Dolores, in my lifetime, perhaps yours, I've never known yes. lo- anything like it at this time. Has Bridget a role to play there? Absolutely. She is a peacemaker. There was a one, like Bridget the peacemaker, and one of her very great assets was to turn back the streams of war. Turn back the streams of war. Choose not 
to be in conflict. But that has to start with yourself. How much conflict am I in with myself? How much conflict am I with in my family, in my community? Because change has to happen at a very, very local level. Because what is local is also universal. But if we keep waiting for something to happen out there, uh, it has to happen in our hearts. If, If we can't find Bridget or the Christ, or the, the beautiful divine energy within ourselves, we won't see it anywhere else. So by bringing her into our hearts and living aspects of what she was, you're saying, yeah. in, a, in a way, this can make a difference to the entire world. Of course it can, because all everything that, whatever, there's a lovely line from a poem by Goethe, he says, whatever you can do or dream you can, begin. Take the first step. Mm. Don't take the second step or the third step. Take the first step, the one you don't want to take. Because sometimes taking that step towards reconciliation, taking that step, uh, step towards a courageous act of doing something you're not sure you can do, but you want to try it. All of those things are first steps, which are also the way in which we, we help to evolve consciousness. Now, Bridget was a very special person. But she was also a human being mm. and she had to take take risks. And I think that's what we need to do. Learn how to take risks. It's, it's uh, something that uh, when you say it, we, we, we hang on your words. I've always said it. You are uh, so spiritual, so wise. And what you say there, you know, is so important. I just wish more people in this world would embrace, uh, you know, what you say to us here today. It would make the place such a much better world to live in, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would indeed. And I think that, you know, I think we have to say, what would be the consequences of that? And the consequences of living in that dynamic, courageous way are that we feel alive. And that's what we need to be, you know, alive. And that's, again, in bulk, forward. In bulk is the beginning of new life stirring in the earth at a level that we can see it. But the seeds have been hibernating and growing, germinating, not hibernating, since they were planted. And so we start the Celtic New Year at Samhain. We're we're almost three months into that now when we get to Imbolc. And that's when life starts to begin, because all life begins in darkness. Yes, it's uh, and so we live true. in a culture that's terrified of darkness. Yes, and there's too, to too much light, Dolores, isn't there? At times, they don't allow us, you know, embrace yeah. the darkness by times. Yes, exactly. And I'll tell you, we're having the most amazing display of light in Dundalk starting on Wednesday yes. night. The northern lights, and it is spectacular. But that light comes after a period of darkness. Yes, yes. As you say, and you often said to me here, we've got to live and go with the seasons. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and, and, and it's because that isn't the seasons that are in our own heart as well. But we try to, and our culture doesn't really value darkness and silence and, and inwardness. But you know what? If we don't go in, we won't find the beautiful treasures that are deep within us. Mm. And when we do go in and find them, then we have something to offer into the world. And our world is desperately in need of hope and courage and love and possibilities. 
Absolutely. Wonderful words. Uplifting today. Now, listen, before we finish, I just want to mention a few things. There's lots going on with the festival. The Pilgrims Walk from Dundalk to Ford. There's talks, workshops in the County Museum and on Thorn Arts Centre. And the the closing ritual is in the Ravensdale Community Centre. Too many to go through, but the information is available. I just want to mention them there, Dolores. Uh, uh, On uh, www. Dot IE, that's Bridget of Fahart.ie, on Thine.ie, lots of information there. And yes. if you want to book events or whatever, go on to Eventbrite.ie, Bridget of Fahart Festival, and all the information is there. It's a busy, busy few days ahead. It is, and it's wonderful to have the energy to be doing it and the, and the privilege of doing it. Um, you know, and, and seeing people coming alive, you know, and seeing the, the fun. I gave a talk today in the, in the women's shed and there were 70 people at it, you know, yes. and it was like people were delighted to be there, you know, and I was delighted to be there. And it's like we need so much to be, allow ourselves to embrace things which give us an uplifting experience. That's what we need right now. There's enough bad news in the world. Let's be the creators of good news. Dolores, law, fele, bridget, honolat. Augustus oppression. Goramila Mahigat, you are just a breath of fresh air. Love talking to you. Could do it forever. Time always beats us. Dolores, have a great festival. Thank you for joining me. Dolores, she is a woman wise beyond mention. She really is and so spiritual too. Lots to be checked out there. Bridgetofort.ie, Antoine.ie and Bridget of Fort Festival on Eventbrite. All the events, there's lots going on across County Loud. Check them out and they're well worth checking out. The light is with us. It's always with us in Late Lunch, isn't it? Yes, she's back with us for 2024 in Late Lunch. We love her. Yes, I'm talking about our Sinead Burke. She brings us her banter now and then. And here she is chatting about the recent electricity outages. Granny was a great woman for the signed mass cards. Whatever deal she had going with the Columban fathers led to her having an old USA biscuit tin, fully stocked with them and ready to be put into action. No one in the Clemesson and Bective area was going to have any trouble getting in through the pearly gates. Not on her watch. Granny took pride in sorting out their paperwork. There's nothing more impressive than witnessing someone who is organised in action. Obviously, there are certain careers that demand a level of conscientiousness. I'd prefer not to think about surgeons just winging it in the operating theatre or barristers in the High Court simply playing things by ear. But what really impresses me are those people in normal daily life. And at the risk of offending half the population, it's generally women who are operating at a more diligent level than the rest of us. These are the women who have umbrellas in their cars. They have spare trolley tokens in their handbags and put money aside for Christmas. They order oil, even when the tank is not fully empty. Quiet contingencies carried out calmly and seamlessly. In July 2018, I nearly joined their ranks. For years, despite much derision from the rest of the family, I always put raincoats in the suitcase for the annual jaunt to Spain. Then finally, on an overcast and thundery day on the Costa Dorada, my moment finally came, along with torrential rain. And you know what it's like when it gets going over there. The holiday park flooded. Hundreds of disappointed Irish heads peered out their doors with a 
What'll we do now? Face on them. But not the Burks. Triumphantly, I pulled the case out from under the bed and passed around the Packamax. We had the run of the place. Honest to God, it's still a personal moment I think of when I'm at a low ebb. So obviously, thanks to the granny being God's personal gatekeeper and the fact that I did once prove myself capable of meticulous planning six years ago, being on top of my organisational game is in my genes. So there was no one more surprised than me by how shockingly ill-prepared we found ourselves during the recent storms. Our electricity went off twice, each for a substantial length of time, and not once during the intervening 12 hours between the two blackouts, when every single weather person was blue in the face saying, lads, there's another one coming, did I even think to go out to buy a flashlight? It never even occurred to me that perhaps the comedy of errors known as where are the batteries and can I take two out of that thing would be having its second showing in the house the following night. Granny, I've let you down. I wasn't raised to have my family stumble around in the dark, multicoloured fairy lights valiantly but ultimately ineffectually twinkling around their necks two nights in a row. So enough, I've come up with a plan, drawing on my grandmother's capability and in a nice homage to my father's many years underground in Tara Mines, I'm getting the whole family mining helmets. Aluminous yellow hard hats with flashing lights on the front. The next electric outrage won't see us wanting. I might even order oil as well. Absolutely brilliant. This is she always on the money, Louise. Yeah. I can see them with the miners' hats on. <laughs> and the high fizz jackets. And the high fizz jackets. Looking in the for Bickies in the kitchen. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Yes, our Sinead Burke back with our banter for 2024. Hi, Jerry. Back to Eurovision. God almighty. We love Eurovision in Ireland, don't we? Honestly, we do, no matter what we say about it. Hi, Jerry. I thought Friday night's winner was the best of a bad lot. These days, it seems to be the more unusual, the better. Given the sample of the winners over the last five years or so, our entry may at least qualify, but I think it won't have a chance of winning. I really think that day is gone for our Irish entry, regardless of how good the singer of the song is. That comes in from Joan Indrum Conrad. Thank you so much indeed. There's somebody disagreeing with me. Totally disagree with you, Jerry about dancing with the stars it's an excellent standard and the hair makeup and costumes are second to none says Joanne I, I'm not saying it's not good at all it, it, it is but when you compare do you know what I'm saying Louise mm-hmm. so the BBC is the original uh, you know strictly yes. come dancing it's just not up to the, yeah, that there are franchises standard. now the American one is, is, is I've never watched it but I'm sure mm-hmm. it's a pair but I'm just just saying there's a live orchestra in the BBC one the dancers are the top dancers in the world the stars etc it's just at a different level that's what I mean you're and a when bit you grumpy watch, today aren't you Am I? <laughs> Am I really? Give me a bit. Give me a bit. Your vision. Give me a bit strictly. I think June Give is right. Give June is right. We're getting out no. We're getting out no, 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 no. Where's the wee bit? You, 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 you. <laughs> I beg your pardon. Uh, anyway, it's time for me to go for a wee now and you to listen to news, weather and sport. <laughs> Well, your love is worse, worse than cigarettes Even if I had 20 in my hands Oh, baby, your touch, it hurts More than hangover 
The Late Lunch Artist of the Week. Artist of the Week. Yes, my Artist of the Week is back for 2024 and today and this week. My Artist of the Week I've chosen is Miss Miley Cyrus. Yes, she's flying high at the moment. She was born actually on the 23rd of November 1992. She's only 31. By God, you'd think she lived uh, two lifetimes already. And of course, she was born into a musical and artistic family. She's the daughter of country music star Billy Ray Cyrus. Her real name, did you know this, is Destiny Hope. Yes, they christened her Destiny Hope Cyrus, who... uh, got the name then, the nickname Smiley, because she was always smiling as a little girl, which ultimately became Smiley became Miley. That's where it came from. Yes, she legally changed her name to Miley herself a little later on. She was raised as a Christian in the Baptist church. The family lived in Tennessee before moving to Los Angeles when Miley was cast as Hannah Montana by Disney in 2005. It wasn't straightforward, I can tell you, uh, because... She applied for not the main role. Then she was asked to audition for Hannah Montana, the character herself, and was turned down because at that time she was only 13. They said she was too young and too small. But as me mammy used to say, there's good goods in little packages. And they relented. Yes, she was so good and talented. They relented and gave her the role. A teen idol was born. Hannah Montana soundtracks and albums and everything to do with it sold like hotcakes uh, back in the early noughties. And as children as and teens indeed couldn't get enough of her. So today in song, my first track of the week from my artist of the week, Miley Cyrus, goes back to 2009. And it's from the Hannah Montana feature film. Do you remember it? Yes, it's The Climb. can almost see it that dream I'm dreaming but there's a voice inside my head saying you'll never reach it every step I'm taking every move I make feels lost with no direction my faith is shaking but I I gotta keep trying Gotta keep my head held high There's always gonna be another mountain I'm always gonna wanna make it move Always gonna be an uphill battle Sometimes I'm gonna have to lose It ain't about how fast I get there Ain't about what's waiting on the other side It's the climb Miley Cyrus, my artist of the week, can climb on your late lunch this Monday afternoon. Final break of the day and afterwards, I'm looking forward to having a chat with my next guest. She's the latest to be published by Blaster Books. It's called Funky and it's all about pickling and preserving. Our good friend Kristen Jensen has uh, published her latest Blaster Book. It's called Funky by Caitlin Ruth and Caitlin is on the line to have a chat with me. Afternoon, Caitlin. 
Hi, Jerry. Oh, you're going? there. You you're there. Sorry, <laughs> you're delighted to have you with me on the show. You're the latest you published so by Kristen Jensen, our good friend in the Blaster Book series. The book is called Funky, and it's all about pickling with uh, vinegar or salt. Why the name Funky, may I ask? Um, well, that's uh, yeah, that's funny. Uh, funk, we called it funky because we just wanted something fun because pickling can be so fun. And when you're using pickles, you can kind of lay down some funky beats on your cooking. I so like that's it. the angle we were coming from. <laughs> I like it. It's a funky name for a funky book for sure. Um, oh, thank uh, you. There are two aspects to this. There's the fermentation uh, using a salt and then there is uh, the vinegar method of preservation. Is the fermentation, the brine fermentation, it's more difficult, is it, than the vinegar? Okay, well, I mean, it is more difficult in that after you, you know, put it together, you then have to monitor how it's going mm. and see when you can put it into your fridge. But from a perspective of buying the ingredients, all you really need is the veg you're pickling and salt and water. So there are kind of pros and cons to both. You yeah. know, so the vinegar pickle, you, you pickle and as soon as it's cooled down, you can put it in your fridge and your pickle is done. But with the fermentation pickle... It kind of depends on the temperature of your house and just the atmosphere in general. Okay, so a little more attention needed that. Taste-wise, is it uh, more the towards the natural taste of the ingredient in the brine uh, or rather than the vinegar? Oh, not necessarily. Because um, the fermentation process is a souring technique, so you're still going to get that zingy pickle, even sometimes vinegary, uh, quality to the pickle and so it's not necessarily letting the taste of the ingredients shine more yeah. uh, necessarily but that's an interesting question mm, yes I, I'm familiar with the vinegar method not the other uh, I've dabbled at it from time to time especially with cucumbers uh, I love the uh, vinegar uh, cucumber pickle but I see you do one in the book with salt do you do you do that, a salt that's right yeah yeah I do I do two salt ones actually one is like your typical dill pickle that you might buy in say a polish shop um the kind of you know they're like those tiny little cucumbers which are a special variety of, of cucumber that are a little bit difficult to get here yeah so i've come up with a recipe using salad cucumbers like your normal cucumbers that you might get in the supermarket or at the end of the summer when people have a lot of cucumbers if they're growing them and uh, it's a pickle that tastes like your normal dill pickle but using uh like a whole but peeled salad cucumber. Yes, I grow them myself and I often have the gluts of courgettes and cucumbers and that as well. And that's why I like to preserve them. I think the great benefit is that you can uh, preserve them and keep them. But the other thing, uh, I look at this as preserving in time. You take young veg at the start of the year, we get lovely tender uh, courgettes or small, lovely cucumbers if you grow a variety. By doing what you do, you can hold them at that stage of their lives. You know what I'm talking about? I sure do. I mean, yeah, that's so true. But at the same time, I, I always find myself the, like the little cute, like new courgettes that you get at the beginning with the flower on them. Yeah. I always just eat all of them, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because they're so precious, you know, yes. they're so precious at the beginning of the season. And then by the end, you're like, oh, my God, if I never <laughs> see another courgette. But, you know, uh, so that's why you need funky, because yeah. then you can put down uh, as in put away 
uh, jars in your fridge of beautiful courgettes, cucumbers, whatever you have, asparagus, green beans. So whatever you're growing, it's helpful yeah. in preserving your glut. Oh, for sure. I want. I, I look. I, I love the book. I have to say, and I think it's a great addition to the series and in general to people's uh, stash of cookery books, etc. I picked out a couple. Um, I'm just going to page fifty six here because I'm interested. Okay. Uh, mackerel. The mackerel. How do you pronounce it? Eskabesh. Eskabesh. Well, Eskabeche. There's there's a few different ways to pronounce it, but um, yeah, I would say Eskabeche. You see, um, I, I can't get them much more along the coast here, but it used to be uh, lots of mackerel in summertime. The bloody sea lions have them chased out and the the boats have them fished out. You have to go out in boats to catch them. But when I used to get yes. fresh mackerel along the coast, I used to do something like this. It, they're beautiful, aren't they? Oh, did you? That's great. Yeah, um, yeah. Was it a, sim- a similar recipe? Yes, very similar. And I love them. I Just the taste of them. People don't understand that you don't have to fry mackerel on the pan or grill them or whatever to enjoy them beautifully. This preservation is fantastic. And it will get you, uh, you know, nearly a week when, in fact, yeah. normally with fresh mackerel, you only have Correct. the first day, don't Correct. you? Correct. So, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm glad you picked that recipe yeah, out, Jerry. I have. I love it. And when I saw it, I jumped for joy because I said, ah, here we are. I can only get the fresh mackerel now. I'd be delighted. Uh, but yes, you're right. Uh, you must eat a mackerel really the day you get him to have him at, at his best. Beside that on the page opposite, fiery pickled sausages. Oh, yeah. Well, um, that was, I made that recipe to try to uh, reproduce a a pickled sausage that I used to get when I was a kid in America. And uh, I just loved it. They're sold in every gas station. You know, I know they sound kind of gross, but, you know, they are delicious. And especially in this way, because you can choose the quality of sausage that you're getting. Yeah. You know, so any Polish shop, you can go in and just look for a fully cooked smoked sausage and follow the recipe here. And they're delicious. Away you go. Back to the veg. And we mentioned courgettes there and uh, others Mm -hmm. besides. I love the pickled red onion recipe on page 26. It's a beaut. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just, it's a basic recipe. Yeah. But I had to include it in the book because they're just, the vibrant pink color is just so amazing whenever you're garnishing anything. Mm. A sandwich, a salad, or grilled meats, for example. Your beetroot pickle. Sometimes people, you know, uh, if you give them beetroot that wasn't pickled in vinegar, they'd say to you, it's not beetroot. You know what I'm talking about? It's an Irish thing, you know. What about that pickle that you have there? Okay, well, I would call that a relish, you know, I mean, Mm. I I did call it a pickle in the book because everything is a pickle. But, you know, what it is, is it's very sweet and a soft kind of relish. So if you're used to, say, the chef pickled vinegar, pickled beetroot, which can be a little bit jarring, if you'll excuse the pun. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But like, like my daughter hates beetroot because of that pickle, for sure. Right. And, um, but like this one is more like, you know, a chutney or a relish. Yes. But it, yes. So you still get the beautiful color and the subtle taste of beetroot, but it's just a more subtle recipe. Yeah, and you know, the beauty of this is that this book takes you right through the process as it covers a range of vegetables and meats and sausages and, and more besides. And by the end of it, you'll be just flying along. And you'll have, <laughs> you know, when you have these preserved, they add great, uh, you know what I mean, substance to dishes as well when you throw them in and use them in cooked dishes. Listen, I absolutely love your book. I think you've done a great job and I recommend it highly. It's called Funky by Caitlin Root. It's a lovely, vibrant cover on it as well. Get it, stick it in with your uh, collection of books and I guarantee you, you'll be going back to it time after time. Thank you for joining me on the show. Wish you well with all you do. It's been lovely to catch up with you. 
Thanks so much, Sherry. Thanks for having me. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Caitlin Root there. And the book is called Funky. Funky indeed. Anyway, that's it for this Monday on Late Lunch. Have a nice evening. Eddie Caffrey's on his way with The Drive here on LMFM Radio. One day to go. Have you got that hairy story, a January story? Give us a shout. You can get in tomorrow and that's it. It's Decision Day on Wednesday. A thousand euro to give away. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Or give us a shout at the station at the main number. Let us know and it could be you on the air with me tomorrow. Have a nice Monday. See you Tuesday. 